June 2nd, and I'm Ryan Miller, Crops Extension Educator. Earlier this morning, we recorded our seventh episode of the Strategic Farming Field Notes program. Strategic Farming Field Notes is a weekly program addressing current crop production topics. A live webinar is hosted at 7.30 a.m. on Wednesdays throughout the cropping season. During the live webinar, participants can join the discussion and get their questions answered. An audio recording of the program is released following the webinar via podcast platforms. Today's webinar was moderated by myself and fellow crops educator Dave Nikolai. On the webinar were guests Fabian Fernandez, Melissa Wilson, Dan Kaiser, Extension Nutrient Management Specialist with the Department of Soil, Water, and Climate, and Jeff Betch, Soil Scientist and Researcher with the Southern Research and Outreach Center in Waseca. The guests and moderators discuss side dressing nitrogen in corn. Thanks, and remember to tune in weekly for a discussion on the current crop situation, as well as crop and pest management topics. Well, good morning. Welcome to today's Strategic Farming Field Notes program. We're happy to have you join us for today's session on side dressing nitrogen and corn. These sessions are brought to you by the University of Minnesota Extension. Uh, I'm Dave Nikolai. My co-host this morning is Ryan Miller. Uh, we're both uh, regional extension educators in, in the crops area. We'd like to welcome our guests uh, this morning, Dr. Fabian Fernandez, Dr. Melissa Wilson, and Dr. Dan Kaiser. Uh, all of them are nutrient management specialists with the uh, Department of Soil, Water, and Climate, and also Jeff Fetch, who's a soil scientist and researcher at the Southern Research and Outreach Center in Waseca. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Ryan Miller. And Ryan, why don't you introduce our guests and uh, talk a little bit more about the program in terms of uh, uh, scope and content. All right. Thanks, Dave. And welcome, everybody. So yeah, the, the researchers and specialists that we invited this morning to be part of the panel all have uh, experience both in nutrient management as well as specific experiences with side dressing nitrogen and corn. And so that's what we thought we'd do. And so it's an opportunity to interact with those folks. Make sure to use that question function and ask questions if things are on your mind with regards to side dressing. Uh, and, uh, and we're just gonna kind of go through a, a discussion with these folks. And so uh, as I see them on my screen here, uh, we've got Melissa Wilson, uh, who's a nutrient management water quality specialist. She works with manure. Uh, and so she's done some unique work uh, with side dressing and manure applications. Uh, Fabian Fernandez, a nutrient management specialist with the, the department in St. Paul, also uh, does a lot of work with nitrogen. Dan Kaiser is also on. Dan has uh, experience with various nutrients and has done some side dressing work. He's got some interesting projects uh, that we've been working on the past uh, couple of years, as well as Dan uh, is an integral uh, person as far as uh, uh, best management practices and, and writing some of those things. So. Uh, and then finally, Jeff Betch is on, uh, who's got a lot of practical experience. You know him from uh, being a researcher there at the Southern Research and Outreach Center. So welcome to our panelists. And I guess uh, just to kind of kick things off here, um, side dressing has really kind of uh, gained in popularity over the past handful of years or number of years here. And so we're seeing a lot more side dressing and nitrogen for various reasons. But as we approach the end of May and start looking at that first uh, two weeks of June, uh, it's prime side dress season for corn, particularly in, in Southern Minnesota. And I think Fabian, if, if maybe you want to give us some comments on, um, you know, why, why do we wait or, or why do we look at doing side dress at this time of the season? Yeah, thanks Brian. So the, the main reason we do side dress is 
brilliant truly, as you say, has become more of a practice in recent years is because we have had really wet springs. And by doing that, by applying a little bit later, we reduce the risk of nitrogen loss if we have really wet springs, which obviously is not the case this year, but that's kind of one of the main reasons. The other one that has been uh, a reason is logistics. Uh, some seasons we have very short windows to plant, and so sometimes folks just prefer to get planted and then deal with the, the nitrogen application a little bit later, so that's kind of another reason. And then Perhaps a third reason is that uh, by delaying the application, you can kind of know what happened early in the season and adjust your rates accordingly. So those are kind of the, the main reasons why, why people look at uh, site dressing. So Fabian, a question that comes to mind then is, uh, if, if I am in that, uh, one of the categories you kind of laid out there for us, uh, I want to get my planting done and then worry about fertility later, uh, in particular nitrogen fertility, what does a grower need to consider? What, what are kind of the optimal, if you had to give some, some ballpark figures, rates that they should be putting on at the time of planting, you know, because there would be some risk, I, I assume, if we waited for uh, June to put on any uh, nitrogen fertilizer. Yeah, so we've done some studies looking at specifically that question and in corn after soybean, the uh, the need for nitrogen is not as important. Uh, we did a study where we apply, you know, 40 pounds or 80 pounds pre-plant to see how much we would need, and we saw that with 40 pounds was pretty good. I mean, you had no no difference between 40 or 80 pounds pre-plant and then doing the side dress around the 89. If you're in a continuous corn situation, that's where I think it's more important. I would probably go around with 80 pounds or so pre-plant just so that we have enough nitrogen because there is immobilization happening and things like that. And so it's good to have some nitrogen available to the crop. And especially if for some reason you get delayed, right? I mean, you plan to do an early citrus application and it gets really wet or something like that happens and then you are delayed and then yes, you risk uh, not having enough nitrogen. So it's always good to apply at least, you know, 40 or 80 pounds of nitrogen, I would say it's, it's is a good rate. Well, yeah, you bring up an important point because when we look at climate in Minnesota, that first two weeks of June tends to be one of the most rainy periods of, of the season for us. And so it can create challenges getting any kind of field work done uh, when we're, we're at that point. Uh, so if we look at the corn now, let's say quite a bit of corn V4, probably going into the V5 stage, um, we look at uh, uh, nitrogen demand over the season and nutrient uptake with corn. Up to this point, you know, where are we at as far as is the corn plant uh, taking up nitrogen for the season and, and what's left to be taken up? Yeah, so it's, it's very little nitrogen. I mean, the plants around now, they have taken about 10, 20 pounds, you know, around V6 will be about 20 pounds of nitrogen or so. So about less than less than 10% or around 10% of the total nitrogen. So it's not a huge amount that has been taken up at this point. Uh, but uh, like you said, Ryan, it's this is the time, the best time, I think, for side rest application, if you're going to do side rest around V4, V6, uh, because like I said earlier, one of the main reasons people do side rest is to avoid or minimize the potential for nitrogen loss. And this year with the conditions, there's no, no chance of nitrogen loss. I mean, the soils are dry. Even if we get quite a bit of rain, the soil has a huge capacity to store water. 
And so all of that nitrogen is not going to move out of the profile. So if you're planning to do site rest, there's absolutely no need to, to delay that application at this point. So anyways, uh, Jeff Betch and Dan Kaiser, I don't know if they're on. I know in, in recent years, we've had some a talk. I'm not seeing their picture right now. But anyways, if they're not, maybe Bob and you can address this. Uh, in recent years, we've seen sort of, uh, you know, these wetter springs and, and, and sort of a, a greater potential benefit for, for side rest because it's, it's not exposing that nitrogen to, to as much potential for loss through the various mechanisms. So if we look at this year, if we've been in this trend to maybe adjust our, our, our rates and our timing to deal with those years that are abnormally wet or wetter situation, is there room to make adjustments this year in the opposite direction with things being dry, the potential for loss being lower? Is, is there anything people wanna consider there for making rate adjustments or is this kind of stick to your guns and, and kind of implement the plan that you've got in place? We have both, yeah. uh, both Dan and Jeff on Ryan. So, okay. Yeah. So Ryan, one of the, one of the recommendations, this is Jeff. One of the recommendations that I like to give to growers is, is to, to start with the, the uh, MRTN base rate and then adjust accordingly. If you think you've had weather or you're convinced that you've had weather that's resulted in significant loss where that rate might need to be increased. So if growers are in that mindset and they're starting at a rate that's within that acceptable range of the MRTN database for Minnesota, I don't think they need to make any changes lower just based on the current conditions so far, but they certainly don't, you know, we haven't had uh, enough rain to leach any and there may be some areas that have had some pretty heavy rainfall here to the east of us in in uh, Wasika and Steele County that had some ponding that may have had a little bit of denitrification but you know this week will be interesting because we're going to have some really warm soil temps and we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks but I wouldn't I wouldn't go down at this point but there's certainly not much reason to argue to go up either yeah, and that's one of the things. That's one of the things I think we'll see at the end of the year. It'll be a little bit telling, um, particularly for some of the areas that we've seen a higher nitrogen demand. I know Jeff around Wasika. You know, in the last few years we've seen particularly higher uh, responses there um, to see what happens um, because that's kind of what I guess I'd like to know. Since we we get into these drier years, what's going to happen? Because we just haven't seen consistency, uh, particularly a consistency where we can go a lot lower in these drier years. The thing I would say. If you are side dressing uh, with the year like we're having this year, it's not delayed too late because um, I think that's going to be one of the challenges. And one of the things, you know, Jeff, some of the data that um, when I first started here a little over 10 years ago, you and Giles have been doing some work looking at side dress timing. And that was one of the things that I know that did come out of that was um, in dry conditions is you just did not want to delay because there's a lot of risk of uh, running short um, just by that nitrogen being positionally unavailable to the crop. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Dan. And we did see that uh, a lot of that work was done in the kind of the early 2000s and 2004 through or 2002 through 2006. And if we got much past V8 with a significant amount of RN, we could uh, we could set ourselves up for actually yield, uh, a modest or slight yield penalty. Interesting. See, uh, we have a question that I think is going to lead into letting Melissa kind of tell us the update us on some of the work she's done with side dressing manure. But uh, there's a question in here about how late can we side dress 
and, and it's in respect to a bending of corn uh, and uh, maybe causing damage uh, to corn as far as uh, snapping them off and causing any issues. Uh, and, and the question revolves around those years where we do get the, the rainy period at the end of May and through the first part of June and we get delayed with side dressing, you know, how late it's too late as far as uh, seeing adverse risk to losing plant. So maybe, uh, Jeff, do you have a comment on that? And, and then... Uh... Yeah, so, you know, I think it depends upon the equipment and what source you're applying. If I was injecting anything, I'd kind of lean towards the earlier side of application versus the later side. And obviously with conventional farm equipment, if you drive over corn when it's V2, V3, V4, it's probably not going to hurt it too much. Some of those plants will still survive depending upon the ruts you create. Um, but if it's dry, those plants will still survive. If you break off plants when they get V6 or greater, they're going to die, but the plants next to them are going to probably pick up the slack a little bit. I think that the major concern I always have is when I see growers out pretty late with their with their uh, high clearance sprayer tractors and, and maybe Y dropping or putting some N on really late. Obviously, those plants that they drive over when they turn at that point um, those plants are, are not going to reach or they're going to, it's going to kill them and it's going to probably even hurt the plants next to them. And there has been some talk about that too. Even the wheel ruts from spraying can compress the soil and compact the roots and can have an impact on, uh, the rows where the tire tracks are, especially with some of those high clearance equipment, if it's pretty heavy. So we certainly know that that point, that kind of critical point is that from V5 to V6, we start to see that growing point above ground and so that's you know at that point you can really certainly kill a corn plant and uh, it's also kind of that point in time in the season where the plant enters that that real rapid growth phase and so it's it's more delicate i mean you can walk through corn at that point and if it's growing rapidly enough you can cause some some injury if you're not paying attention to what you're doing and with that uh, Maybe we want to take a little sidetrack here now and uh, and have Melissa uh, chat a little bit about what she's been up to because it's it's a pretty unique situation to be uh, talking about doing a side dress with uh, with manure and uh, Melissa maybe you would just want to give us a couple minutes on uh, on what you've been doing and uh, and maybe even relate a little bit to the growth stage of, of plants. Yeah, sure. We started side dressing liquid swine manure. I think this is our third summer that we've been working on this or fourth summer, actually. We started with dragline systems because those don't have nearly as much compaction as pulling a large tanker full of manure through the field. And in those cases, we were pulling a hose through a field probably around V4. And we didn't seem to have any kind of yield loss due to that. But we actually set up a study in the last two years where we took a full manure hose full of water in this case and dragged it in both directions over various growth stages of corn and v1 v2 v3 were just fine the corn came right back up even corn that was completely ripped off at the soil surface grew just fine and we did not see any yield penalty compared to corn that we did not drag v4 50% of the time we saw a small yield hit. It was about 10% or so. And then V5 and V6 were dramatic yield hits. That's when the growing point starts coming above the 
soil surface. And when you're dragging over that and damaging it, that's when you start causing the severe losses. And then with the hose, you're dragging all of the core. It's not just one plant here or there. So you are causing significant damage. So with a drag line system, we don't recommend going past really V3, but if you get to V4, it'll probably be okay. That's kind of when we were in the field for two years at an on-farm location and we didn't see any damage associated with that in those particular years, kind of under those conditions. Um, more recently, we've been trying it with a tanker because with a tanker, you can go later. Uh, we went V1, which is that first leaf collar has expanded, V3 and V7. And at V7, we actually got the best yields. It, this is last year, last year's growing season but we did still see a bit of a yield hit compared to the farmer uses a traditionally they side dress anhydrous. So we did see a bit of a yield hit and with the tanker, we did not see that yield hit with the drag hose system. And we think that was probably due to a little bit of compaction last year was a little on the wet side. So we think that might've caused problems this year. We're wondering, we're doing it again. And we're wondering if the liquid in the manure might actually be beneficial because it has been so dry. We're interested to see if that actually has a benefit for side dressing, but we'll see. We're also um, starting up a new study this year, looking at different application systems. We're looking at sweep injection versus just like a wavy coulter injection and then just surface application. And we're adjusting rates based on what we think ammonia losses will be. So we did that so far down at Wasika and that looked really interesting. There was really heavy clay soils were kind of making big clods when we used the sweep and it was kind of rolling over the rows. So I don't know how that'll look in a few weeks. So we'll see, but the coulter injection looked really good and the surface application looked interesting, but it definitely was uh, ponding where we had the tire tracks. So in those cases, if you're on any kind of slope, you're going to have, you know, the manure draining to the low points in the field. So kind of interesting thing so far. So, so Melissa, we- Melissa, was there um, anything that you can mention I mean, kind of anecdotally about rates and about amount, I mean, given some average nutrient content of swine and, and, uh, and beef or dairy in, in terms of what looks good in terms of uh, limitations or recommendations. So far we've been putting on, it's a split application. So we put on about 40 pounds at planting and then side dress the rest with the swine manure, we're aiming for between 180 and 195 total nitrogen, including what we um, applied at planting, depending on the, like in our case, we've been doing this on continuous corn systems, but we'd go with a lower rate, obviously after soybeans, because the corn usually isn't quite as responsive after soybean. In our case, we were worried about applying too low of a rate, because obviously with liquid manure application, you can only go so low. So we were looking at uh, working with farmers who were doing continuous corn. So that way we knew we were going to apply uh, rates that we could apply evenly across the field. So what are the loss of risk when you do a surface applied side rest? Are you guys measuring that or? Uh, Not this year. We had some supply issues where we haven't been able to get supplies to monitor ammonia emissions due to, you know, COVID limitations, I think. So we haven't been... We haven't been able to measure that, but we do think it is high, right? With swine manure, it has a high proportion of ammonia content. And that ammonia, when it's sitting on the surface, especially if it's ponding, can be lost pretty quickly. 
So with swine manure, we're estimating if we inject it, we probably get about 80% of the nitrogen that's in it available that first year. Again, because of that high ammonium content. But if it's surface applied, we're estimating about 35%. So we do think there is quite a bit of losses. So we did apply a much higher rate at or for the surface application. So another, I'm interested to see what, if there's any kind of burning issues with the high ammonia content of this wine manure. Yeah, interesting. See, so Brian, just interject just one quick thing because we've talked about injury of the plant above ground, uh, but also with the injection, something that is really important to consider is the below ground, you know, and, and this is also an important point. If you're going to say dress going earlier rather than later is better because the roots of the crop are reaching the, the center of the rows by around V6. So the later that you wait, the more damage that you create to those roots. So if you're injecting, go early for sure. Okay. Yeah. From a root aspect, that's, that's interesting take, Fabian. Uh, so we've got a question here from Doug, and I don't know if you guys have done a study like this, um, but it's about post uh, chemical application. So I assume he's talking about a post herbicide application and whether you do that before or after a side dress. And uh, I'm gonna take a stab at this one and then let you guys weigh in. But when I look at herbicide and herbicide applications, I certainly don't wanna have weeds injured at that point to make uh, make the best case for getting good uh, efficacious control of those weeds. And so my inclination would be to get the herbicide on and let it work before I was out there potentially, you know, adversely impacting some of those plants that, that might be there. Um, if we go through and start pruning plants, maybe shielding them with soil if we're disturbing the soil at all, and then we're not going to we're not going to get uh, as good an uptake, I would think, contact and uptake to, to kill some of those weeds. Uh, but I could be splitting hairs too. I don't know if, if, if when you guys want to weigh in too. Just the thing that I think with uh, with weed management and nitrogen, I mean, one of the things that it's often very efficient is to use UAN as a great solution with the herbicide to help improve the efficiency of the herbicide. I mean, obviously you need to follow the, the label with these things, but uh, um, the rule there is make sure that you don't go too high because you can uh, damage the, the crop. And so early on, again, it's, it's better with, uh, you know, before early, you can go a little bit higher on the nitrogen rate, you know, maybe 60 pounds of nitrogen is okay. But uh, the more you weigh, the, the, the lower the rate that you, you should apply so that you don't damage the crop. There was a I question that came in earlier, not specifically on on uh, side dressing, but we refer to soil types in terms of rates, of coarse versus fine texture. So um, I don't know, Dan, you wanna give a quick uh, back to school. What's the difference between a coarse texture and a fine texture when it comes to uh, uh, soil types in Minnesota? Well, typically when you look at a coarse texture, it's gonna be something with a sandy surface horizon. So like a loamy sand or a sandy loam. Um, we know obviously there's some differences I mean, some soils have clay underneath them. I mean, I'm not going to get into the weeds on that one, uh, but, you know, typically coarse, it would be a sandy surface texture to medium. We would count that as um, kind of more of a uh, silt loam, uh, something that's got more silt in it. Um, for side dress, certainly, you know, a medium and coarse are kind of the, the ones we usually target as being more leaky. 
in terms of having more um, internal drainage. And then fine would be like a loam, clay loam, something, you know, kind of uh, with more clay in it. So anything with a loam texture or, or finer, what we call, or finer would be more clay in that particular soil. So along those lines, I know, Fabian, you've been doing some work with uh, coarser textured soils. And we look at, the, and Dan, in the case of the BMPs, uh, when we, we get on real coarse textured soils, there's certainly, uh, that's a good thing to do to, to talk about side dressing, correct? Yes, for sure. I mean, most of the discussion we've had so far has been more for the fine textured soils. But for the coarse texture soils, definitely the, the split applications are, are the best way to go. And based on the research that I've done, I actually have gone away from doing any pre-plant application in sandy soils. And I do my first application at V2, and then uh, I continue on to maybe around V10, because you know with irrigation, typically these soils have irrigation, you can, you can do the application uh, at the minimum cost if you already have a way to propagate. So it's definitely uh, the way to, to go with sandy soils. In the fine textures, uh, the side rest, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's beneficial if it's really wet, but if not, typically we don't see much of a difference between a full pre-plant application versus a split application. The thing, the thing I always think about with side resting, if I'm planning on it in a fine textured soil, it gives me the, the chance to be adaptive. Like you said, Fabian, if we have really wet conditions and kind of, you know, respond to the conditions at hand and, and so forth. So uh, I got a question for you. Um, UAN versus urea. Um, if you had to pick a side dress product, you know, and maybe maybe you want to address it in a, in a corn following soybean versus a corn corn situation. Um, I think I've heard uh, Jeff talk about this in the past and I, I'm sure folks are curious about if you have a preferred uh, product uh, when it comes to, to doing some of these side dress applications. Yeah, so, you know, both products are good products. Uh, the, the main thing that you have to consider here is the placement. Uh, UAN, if you are broadcasting UAN, that's kind of the, the worst kind of way of doing it. Uh, I would rather dribble it on the surface or inject it even better. Um, with urea, uh, the, the biggest challenge with urea, I mean, it's fast, but the, the biggest challenge is uh, volatilization loss from, from urea left on the surface, especially in dry soils. And um, that's where we suggest uh, using uh, urease inhibitor, like MBPT, agrotain, something like that, to uh, protect nitrogen from loss for a longer window of time. You know, that uh, inhibitor is not bulletproof. I mean, it will be great after seven to 10 days, but it does give you an opportunity for rain to come in and, and get that application into the root zone and not loss. Um, and um, so if you're doing urea, the biggest challenge is with a corn, corn versus corn soybean, uh, typically if you have more residue on the surface, that's where you have the most potential for, for loss um, with the urea application. So maybe a UAN application may be more beneficial if you have a lot of residue. There was um, a question on sources. One came in just now, and then we'll flip back to a, a manure question for Melissa. But um, I don't anybody. This is kind of a toss-up question here. Is there a preferred organic nitrogen source? Does one exist out there? I mean, obviously we're talking manure here too. But is there something else here that we're missing? I don't know. Dan has been doing some work with uh, some biologicals and stuff, but. Uh... 
in general, what I what I think of uh, nitrogen sources for split for side dress application is something that is readily available. That's the key thing. It has to be something that is ready for the plant to use because now we are starting that phase of rapid nitrogen uptake by the crop, and so you don't want to put something that will take you know a few weeks to start uh, becoming inorganic. Remember that if it's organic nitrogen, it has to uh, mineralize into inorganic forms before the plants can use it. Well, something else maybe to address, Fabian, is the price per pound. If we look at commercial fertilizers, I mean, the price is high right now. I mean, 50 cents a pound of actual nitrogen. Then you start getting in these kind of tangential sort of products. Oftentimes, the price per pound can get quite exceptional. And, and you can almost, if you if you need to put on at least 40 pounds, it can get kind of cost prohibitive as far as how much these things cost for yeah. a pound of nutrient. You know, it's it's... It's a challenging, challenging situation. For sure. Um, Here, um, quick question for uh, Melissa, I guess, maybe to uh, sum this up on, on your side there a little bit. And this kind of is, relates back to cover crops. And a question came in, does, is there any data that should support a cover crop after manure? Um, and those are be a fall application, obviously, or, or planting here after October 1st and so forth uh, in, in terms of that. Yeah, so quick to the organic nitrogen, liquid swine finishing manure tends to have the most available nitrogen up front. So if you're, that's the one to aim for if you're looking for side dressing sources. For cover crops, we've seen in Minnesota that could be kind of difficult to get a cover crop established after manure in the October 1st through 15th range. We've been trying to promote interseeding or getting cover crop on earlier in the fall if possible. That gives more time for the cover crop to establish. And then we've seen evidence that you can inject manure kind of underneath that cover crop, especially if it's liquid. Hoping to do a little more research on the solid sides of things, but we definitely recommend getting a cover crop on earlier if you can. All right, well, uh, it, with that, I guess, Mosa and uh, the rest of our panelists and Dave, uh, we've ran out of questions from people outside that have been asking them here. Any last comments you guys would like to make? Anything on your mind? I would be interested, interested to hear from Jeff. Uh, what's going on in Southern Minnesota? What do you see people actually doing in the fields or any recommendations from your observations? Yeah, Dave, right now, I think uh, yesterday in particular, people were focused on herbicide applications. But the only thing that I would bring to people's attention if they're thinking of side dressing is the forecast for the next several days is going to be really hot. So if you're putting some fertilizer out there, especially urea, and even with NBPT, if you're laying it on the surface, uh, you wanna start praying for rain because when it's that hot, that's not necessarily a good scenario. So keep that in mind if you're thinking about applying the next few days. If you're yeah, injecting, it's not gonna those, matter. I wanna echo those same sentiments from Jeff because that's exactly what I was thinking because we're sitting in a position where I have a side dress trial we have to lay out yet and you have agartane on it. And I think I'm gonna delay as late as I can just to see if we can catch a rain. But that's going to be the, the kind of bigger question that the, the inhibitors will help, but they aren't going to be the, I think, the complete solution. So it's one of the things to watch out for. I'd see if you can time things as best you can, um, you know, given the workload that you have. Uh, because that's going to be a kind of the main thing just to make sure that everything gets done at a, a optimal time. And just one quick thing on injection, I think, you know, with injection, sometimes, especially in dry years, you can end up drying up the soil a little bit because of uh, kind of the tillage that you do, if you will, with the, the injection. But um, 
we also recognize that, at that when it's so dry, uh, you minimize the potential for nitrogen loss uh, through volatilization by injecting. And also you put nitrogen a little bit deeper into the soil so it's closer to the roots. So with a little bit of rain, hopefully it's already in the ground and it's there for the plant. So things to consider, you know, in terms of the placement. Certainly going to be hot and gusty as we get into the end of the week. Good, good potential for growth, but also some good potential for loss for those those applications. So good points, you guys. Uh, Doug is asking a question again on uh, how long after a chemical application should we wait before doing a side dress application? And depending on uh, uh, the level of disturbance, Doug, and the product used, I'm I'm certain some of the if you look at your label, there will be a. Uh, recommendations on the herbicide label as far as how long to wait before doing a cultivation and so kind of gauge that you know how much disturbance are you doing are you doing a top dress application you know I'm certainly not going to have to wait as long as if I'm in there doing more uh, aggressive in between the rows with you know anhydrous or something that's going to cause a little more disturbance in, in uprooting plants. But I, I do think some of those uh, should be on the label. Doug, if you've got more questions about that or want to talk about that, uh, you can certainly give me an email or call later and, uh, and we can do that. Trying to get through here. Um, there's one last question more about general crop conditions and I'm going to have to I don't know if we've got someone lurking in the background here, but extreme drought north of Fergus Falls, 55 days without rain. Is this really very isolated or is it a much wider area? And I don't know if we've got anyone on that can talk about that. Well, based on weather reports yesterday, uh, Ryan, there's a lot of variability. I mean, there's some rain in northeastern Minnesota uh, this morning or overnight. So uh, the seven-day forecast does look like a little bit better chance of showers in northern now Minnesota this next week given in, uh, compared to southern. So they may fare a little bit better. Uh, but yet they're very behind, obviously. So we hope that the, uh, folks can catch up with that. I guess at this point, Ryan, anything else or should we close it out? I think I think that's it. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And yeah. thanks to the panelists for participating today. Yeah, there's a very short uh, three-question survey when you leave today. If you please take a minute to finish those out, that would be great. Next week, uh, we hope to be talking about uh, there'll still be post-emergence weed control, some of it at the end, and we'll talk about weed biology and some other uh, important uh, crop scouting uh, situations in there. Hopefully uh, have a, a couple of different people on in there. Uh, uh, folk, folks are involved with that, uh, consultants uh, as well with that. So uh, tune in next week uh, for that uh, program, same time at uh, 7.30, and we'll be announcing that via Crop E-News uh, uh, this week and next week as well. So with that, I would like to thank all of our guests uh, and panelists this morning. And if, if you have follow-up emails and questions, uh, uh, you can uh, certainly get a hold of them. Uh, take a, a chance to uh, search on the Extension website and uh, you can uh, get an individual response uh, back by contacting them directly. So thanks again. And uh, Ryan, any other last words? Otherwise, I think that will be uh, it for today. And we are recording this as a podcast that will be available later today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much for attending.